Yeah, you don't want your candle to burn out long before the legend ever did, right? <laughs> oh, that's good. What is that song? Is that like Elton candle John? Candle in the Wind. Yeah, yeah Elton John. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice. Good. Can you sing it for us? Would have liked to know you. <laughs> I don't know the rest. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Jason. What's the first thing you think of when I say the word setups? You're not making chips. <laughs> yeah, that's and you're right. not making money. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the biggest battles that can hold you back as a manufacturer. Absolutely. So enter the Lean Setup Guide from ProShop. Okay, what's that? This guide can help anyone, whether you're a ProShop user or not, but ProShop users have experienced a 50% reduction in setup time because the software builds these lean principles into their process. Yeah, so it's a totally free download. You can go to ProShopERP.com slash 50, and you can get your copy of the Lean Setup Guide. Bam. Man, I am getting old, but I still got a long ways to go. All right, awesome. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping then you are Metalworking Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. Welcome to Making Chips, the longest-running manufacturing podcast, equipping and inspiring manufacturing leaders since 2014. I'm Jason Zenger, and I will be your host today, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Golner. How you doing, Nikki? I'm doing good, man. Yeah? You know, I was thinking, you don't really look old, but your hair's getting grayer, I gotta say. Yeah, it's definitely coming through, and it's funny, I always have these conversations, and people, I don't know, I get asked like once a week, how old are you? My next question is always, well, how old do you think I am? And I always get 30s, which yeah, is good. good yeah, dude. I mean, I feel good about that. I don't want to like make this about me and try to make me feel good. Like, I, don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that, but yeah, it's, I mean, take care of yourself, and yeah. It's, it's kind of weird feel good. I mean, at this point where like, you always want to be older when you're young. Like, mm-hmm. my kids are so excited, because yeah. my daughter just turned eight a few days ago, and she's like, right. oh, I'm eight. Like, yeah. She's trying to wear these pants that are too big for her. And my wife's like, those are too big for you, Ellie. She goes, Mom, Mom, I'm eight. (laughs) Nice. That's cute. That's cute. (laughs) But then all of a sudden, then like there's this point where now you want to be younger. When are you ever the age you want to be? I don't want to be younger. I feel good where I'm at right now. And I am happy with where I'm at and my number. I try to stay in really good shape and take care of myself. We'll talk about this a little bit. I don't have a timestamp on when I want to retire. That's one. But more importantly than that even is... I've had kids later in life. So like my youngest, Deacon, I was 42 years old when he was born. And so I'll be 60 by the time that he's 18. So I want to stay in really good shape so that I have three boys and then I have a girl and we wrestle all the time. I don't want those boys beating me up by the time that they're like <laughs> That's a all in double digits. That's so, a milestone when you know you can beat up your dad. Yeah, it is. It is. And I want to try to hold that off as far as I possibly can. Yeah, I don't want him to tangle with Dietmar. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> He's got a bum ankle, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you that you could take him. I know I could take my dad like in about 10 seconds. <laughs> Just even the thought 
crossing his mind and he would lay on the ground and, and say <laughs> uncle <too> nice <laughs> yeah he no, i wouldn't couldn't fight. see him fighting anymore. no he wouldn't fight he was one of those guys that i got yelled at once in a while but he kept it and kept it and kept it in and then i would only get yelled at when it would just like blow over the top but i usually didn't get caught doing all the bad things that i did so anyway <laughs> we're getting off on a tangent here we're going to discuss some of my reflections on 25 years at zenger's so I started at Zenger's January when I was 21 years old after I finished college. And I don't want to make this about me, but I think after 25 years, I've learned a few things from other people and just my personal experience from making mistakes that I've compiled into some personal philosophies that I just want to share. And I think I want to see if you from the Metalworking Nation, if you resonate with some of these things, if you want to know more about these things, and then hopefully... For my 50-year anniversary and my 75-year anniversary, we could talk about those reflections too. Yeah. So, so you've been working for Zenger the whole time? Yes. Like after college? I'll give the very brief story, okay? okay? Because a lot of people do ask me that. I never knew what my dad did. I never worked there during the summers. I was never involved. Nothing like that. When I went to my undergrad at Washington University in St. Louis, I studied engineering and I decided that I didn't want to be, like probably my junior year, I decided I did not want to be a practicing engineer. I had an internship. I wanted to be with people. I wanted to talk with people. I was just my personal thing. I didn't want to be a practicing engineer. I have the utmost respect for engineers. It's just not what I wanted yeah, to do. I, just, I think I was just more equipped as like somebody who liked to talk, yeah. obviously. So I didn't want to be a practicing engineer. At the time, I didn't know how to meld those two things together. So my uncle decided that he was going to retire about six months before I graduated. And I was actually interviewing with business consulting firms because I didn't know what I wanted to do and I didn't pay much attention to what my dad did. And then I actually interviewed with Master Carr, who is now one of our competitors because yeah. they recruited from my university. And my dad called me. He was like, hey, your uncle wants to retire and I don't want to do this by myself. What do you think about giving the family business a shot? I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, I think I would be silly not to at least give it a try. So that's how I started. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it wasn't something where I was like born into the business and doing it every summer or anything like that. Like my dad just kind of kept me away from it. And then part of me wishes that I would have gotten some experience working at other companies before yeah. I went there, but that that's not the way it worked out. So sure. it's all good. So, so before yeah. we reflect on the whole thing, you have news? Yeah, I do have news. Yeah. So this was in the Nevada Independent and it talked about how Tesla just announced a $3.6 billion investment in electric semi-truck manufacturing in Northern Nevada. So it says Tesla's investment will grow the existing Gigafactory facility by 4 million square feet in Nevada and add two new factories, a cell factory to produce 2 million million light duty vehicle batteries per year and the company's first high volume factory to produce the Tesla semi a class 8 semi truck entirely powered by electricity Elon Musk set a goal on its Q3 earnings call in October of producing 50,000 semis annually by 2024 so this is his response of this investment to reach that goal I just want to know where my Cybertruck is. I put a hundred bucks down on a Cybertruck years ago, and I don't know what's happening with right. that. So this is such a weird coincidence because my news was about, hey, it's not all electric. Yeah, there's still I some know. more investments. I thought it was that, and then boom, position here, was good. Here yeah. you go. Now. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be interesting to see how these semi truck works because I mean, I can see it working to have. We have some of those city trucks that are like those flat front trucks that you can move going through the city to make deliveries and stuff like that. And I can see battery working really well for that. Yeah. Semi truck is going to be interesting. I've read some stuff on the news from people who drive trucks and are in that trucking industry who are like, I don't know how this battery operated truck is going to work. But I mean, I assume Elon's figured it out. Yeah, we should tour the Gigafactory someday. Yeah, that would be cool. I just like saying that word. Gigafactory. I know Gigafactory yeah, is a cool. Sounds name. like something out of a video. Yeah, game. he's definitely good at branding. Whoever else is doing his marketing is good at that. Yeah, for sure. 
So yeah, we can move on to the main subject. So I did a LinkedIn post on this just recently, and I'm basically going to talk about all the same points that I did in that LinkedIn post, which we will reference in our show notes. If you want to make some comments, that would be the place to make a comment. So if you yeah, have any response to this... Because I got my hand slapped. I liked, but I didn't comment. And Jason says, hey, where's the comment? Bro? Well, this is one of those things where... <laughs> so we can go off on a tangent for a second before I get into, but like social is for interacting. And I yeah. we're partners in making chips and we should be interacting with each other over social. And it's good. It's healthy. It's totally. good for the industry. And I love it when other manufacturing leaders are out there making comments on my posts simply so that I could be social with them because I like to talk, like I just mentioned. And this is just another form. Yeah, they don't I call can't it talk, a self-promotion media. You're supposed to interact back and forth, not just post about your own life. Exactly. And then like it. And for me, this is not about like how many likes can I get? This is about the same reason for doing the podcast is like, how can I equip or inspire manufacturing yeah. leaders and how like and teach me something like or some gas on a conversation exactly because so like, we just talked about we would rather have a comment than a like or whatever exactly else, so yeah well both is better but i mean like yeah comments are always better but like teach me something i might have missed a gigantic point that you're like jason you really or maybe i'm wrong on something that you need to correct me on sure. so and i'm not afraid to hear about that so your post inspired this episode. Yeah. yeah. So I have the 10 things that I thought were really important reflections on my 25 years at Zengers. So my first one is give your team a reason to wake up in the morning. So, and what I mean by that is I'll kind of get this comment from people sometimes, well, you just sell tools. Well, no, we do way more than that. Like I literally just got this comment from somebody not too long ago. It's like, no, we do way more than that. We have a mission statement and that mission statement I think is very compelling, but I would like more call us like a supply chain manager for an application expert for tooling and related industrial supplies and safety equipment. But we created a mission statement just recently in order to really give our team that single focused purpose for them to be able to wake up in the morning. and filter we use for making chips. Like, does it equip and inspire manufacturing leaders? And And that's the reason that we show up in front of the microphone. So are you going to say what it is? Yeah. Our mission is we supply a wide range of industrial products, metalworking tooling, contractor tools, safety PPE and integrated services along with knowledge and inspiration to meaningfully improve the lives of those who make build and create great things for our country. So that's the reason we wake up in the morning. Right, exactly. And if you notice, the knowledge inspiration is the podcast, is the content. Sure, yeah, that's cool. those are the two things that we do. And the people who make, build, and create great things for our country, those are the manufacturing leaders that we serve. Cool. And we do change their businesses. I mean, we change them for the better. Absolutely. That's a good first point. So number two, don't be afraid to blow things up and start a new business model. And I would say that same thing goes out to every manufacturing leader out there. I mean, like, don't be afraid to like look at your business and be like, this is not where I want to be in five years and blow it up if you have to. Sometimes if it's not broke, don't fix it is kind of a bad way to look at things. Yeah, exactly. So our business model, as I kind of mentioned before on this podcast, is my dad was very comfortable with selling cutting tools locally within a five mile radius to shop owners over our counter. Now we sell tools through robotic tool cribs across five states to independent manufacturers and Fortune 500. And I had to almost kill that sacred cow in order to Mm -hmm. do that. Yeah, that makes sense. The next one, number three, and this goes along with number two, respect your mentors, but you be you. And my dad, he was very successful, as we were talking about before the show, Nick, at that original business model, but he didn't want to change. He was very comfortable sitting up at the counter, yucking it up with people, selling them the tools that they needed. And now that's 3% of our business. (laughs) You know what I mean? But kudos to him. And he had the guts and the faith to allow me to start 
new things to allow me to change our business model, allow me to start a podcast, make acquisitions. Like when I was working on this podcast in 2014, do you think my dad was like, what is he doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, he's just like, got what? done talking no. to a young man who is a brilliant mm-hmm. and he's doing a lot of content creation yeah. and he's going to all the shows and doing a lot of things and his business kind of discourages him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's cool. Steve didn't have to be the change himself, but he was also not like holding everything with a tight fist yeah. and not letting you do your yeah. thing. So he wasn't cool. like, well, you need to document how many hours that you're spending you on that and then give that back to and me. See who I didn't would have to win. Fight. No, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he knew I could out muscle him. <laughs> no, but I mean, the reason that he probably let me do that is he knew that I was producing in all those other areas. He's like, okay, I'm going to let him do the podcast. I roll. And if sure. it fails, we'll move on. But at least he's producing in these other areas so that I can justify this time that he's spending on it. that's started for me. Like yeah. When I first was like, hey, guys, this is a podcast. Yeah. I like these guys. I think yeah. I could be a partner to them and everything. Right. They were like, yeah, whatever. Do your real job. And then you know, finally, I was able to like get everybody into it. But yeah, it's cool. Yeah. No one held you back. Yeah, exactly. Number four, and this is something that just came to me recently, and I expressed this to the team. And going back to our manufacturing news... I was kind of inspired by this, by what happened at Twitter. So like, if you remember back, Elon buys Twitter. Yeah. Okay. What happens at Twitter? A lot of people don't work there anymore. It changed. (laughs) It changed in a big way. The culture changed drastically. And so I came up with this little formula and I really think that this is true, that culture equals the core values of the team plus the purpose of the leader. And I think that a leader needs to acknowledge that they own that influence and use it for good. Not to say that influence, like you should think about that in a narcissistic manner, but it's like as the owner, as the main leader, as the CEO, whoever you are, you have a lot of influence. Yeah. You may not have Elon Musk influence. I like, but like culture equals values plus purpose. Yeah. If you want to really shorten it, because absolutely. if you don't put those values to a task, it's not really a business. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yep, absolutely. My big purpose, and it gets a little bit more in-depth than what we can go through in this podcast, but my purpose is that I want to love people and use money, not use people and love money. And I'm betting on the fact that that will create a great culture and a great company. Number five is keep learning. So you don't need to get a master's degree or start a podcast, but you need to do something every day to get a little bit better and then share that information. Speaking of core values, one of ours is continuous learning. There you go. Love it. We just like did our annual meeting and yeah. my dad spent like way too long. It took him like a half hour to get through all seven, but he went into a lot <laughs> of good. detail be about, about it. each of the values and continuous learning was one he That's talked awesome. about for a while. Love it. Love it. And it's important to share it too. And it doesn't mean like you have to attain master's level education or to get the information and then start a podcast to share the information, you could read a book and share it with the person next to you. You know what I mean? Your knowledge is one of the most valuable assets that you have. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're hoarding it... Are you talking to me or the Metalworking Nation? Yes. (laughs) And if you're hoarding it, it's actually one of the most selfish things you can do. Absolutely. That's wild. Yeah. Unless you're my wife, who if I try to share information with you, she says... I'm not one of your podcast listeners. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I get you. I don't think Brittany's ever heard an episode either. No, it's not even that. It's just if I share any kind of information, (laughs) I don't want to hear about it. Don't talk to me like you're on a podcast. (laughs) You know, there's a new gig factory. Shut up, Jason. I don't care. (laughs) Can I give you the top 10 ways for you to be a better wife? She's like, can I give you one finger? (laughs) No, she would never give me the finger, but she might. (laughs) 
walk out the door and be like, I need to go spend some time with my girlfriends tonight. I'll be back later. <laughs> Top 10 <laughs> reasons you why, you, why you should watch the kids by yourself. <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh man. No, All right, what's the next reflection? She's got here. me for life, though. <laughs> yeah. Number six, work a defined number of hours per week, not a defined number of years in your life. Now, I kind of alluded to this, and I've talked about it on other shows before, but I don't necessarily have like that number out there like, I'm going to retire at 65, and I want to work as long as people need me, and as long as I have a purpose, and as long as I have a value to bring to society. But I feel like people cut their value too short, and they need to think about like how else they can add value to society. I even talked to my dad about that. I was like, why don't you volunteer with some organization that could use an experience business owner to help their small business. I mean, like you have a lot of experience. You don't want your candle to burn out long before the legend ever did, right? <laughs> oh, that's good. What is that song? Is that like Elton John? Candle in the Wind. Yeah, yeah Elton John. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice. Good. Can you sing it for us? Would have liked to know you. <laughs> I don't know the rest. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but no, it kind of makes sense, right? You don't want to flame out and then yeah. you're gone because you just, you exhausted yourself. You can have some endurance. Yeah, don't exactly. Don't sprint the marathon. I don't believe in the hustle culture. You know what I mean? I want to work this many hours a week. Yeah. Because I've got hopefully 50 to 75 more to go. You know what I mean? Or 25 to 50. I definitely think there's different angles to it. I'm not a hustle culture guy at all. I think it's stupid and exhausting and like people try to brag about how much they work. I also think there's something to be said about seasons in your life where you really like bust your butt and you work more than you would want to in other seasons of your life because it's just maybe the right time for it or man, I just got to get through this thing and then maybe we can rein it in a little bit later. But I wouldn't say I have this figured out and I was making some posts about like my power hour when I'm on vacation because I can't really completely disconnect. I got to check a bunch of boxes before before I can turn my brain into vacation mode. But and you're always more on the side of like, hey, I enjoy my time off. Yeah. Not that you're lazy or not working very much, but I think I struggle more with the balance at this stage of yeah, my life than, I get you, it. than you probably do. Yeah. I mean, there are some careers that are more physically demanding that you actually physically need to retire from. So I wouldn't say like, oh, well, you have to dig ditches till you're 80 years old. However, you could retire from digging ditches and help the world in some other way. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a sports guy. And even before you brought up the physically demanding work while you were talking about that whole reflection, you think about these quarterbacks. We have a lot of them right now that are right about at the end. You got Tom Brady, you got Aaron Rodgers. And every season, the season ends and they get up to the podium and it's like, hey, are you going to retire? And they always have to think about it. Mm -hmm. And the, the same goes for a business owner. So because of how much of the salary cap falls onto that quarterback position, when you have a legendary quarterback like a Rodgers or a Tom Brady, like if they're not, there's no ROI on that percentage of the total team spend. They can really hurt the organization more than they can help it if they try to hang on too long or sure. if they don't retire or if they yeah. don't structure their deal in a club-friendly way. Right. And the same goes for a business owner. At the top of the business, you're probably getting paid near the top of the list. And yeah, it's like I heard Tom Brady say, I'm going to retire when I suck. Yeah. He's like, when I'm not good anymore, I'm not going to hang on and yeah. like never be able to let go. So You know when he should have retired, though, from football? When? When his wife told him it's either me or football. You know, I'm not a huge Giselle fan. She's a witch. Oh, I didn't know She's that. She's a self-proclaimed witch. Wow, that's interesting. Apparently. Okay. I don't know. That that's going to take us on another tangent. That might be a rumor. But, I mean... <laughs> 
that's, okay, I think you that, really threw I think me that's off. That's a headline, like a BuzzFeed. Headline. Yeah, you must have saw that on some weird website. But yeah, that just threw me for tangent. But I was just gonna say, I always thought the rumor was she was like, well, it's either me or football, and maybe should have chosen another career. I don't know. Well, yeah, don't put business above everything else, right? Exactly. Okay, number seven: collaborate from the heart, not the contract. And what I mean by that is help others be successful and do it just because, not for some kind of ROI. I hearken back to a gentleman named Bobby Wade who was in a similar business as me in Arkansas, and he just like threw information out that he didn't have to. Like it was candy, and he really just gave me so much knowledge about the industry. This is going back to when I was like a 20 or 30 year old and I was in a room with like a bunch of other executives and he was giving me his ideas, telling me how he does things. And I was, was just like, name? Bobby Wade. Bobby Wade. Yeah. And he helped me put together the business model. He probably doesn't even know this. He helped inspire me to put together the business model that I utilize today. That's been a big growth model for us. And I'm just, he didn't have to. And so I feel like you can give to so many people out there just out of the goodness of your heart without expecting anything in return. Yeah, right on. That's awesome. Good job, Bobby. Yeah, he's just a Mr. Bobby. Good I old boy say. from the South. And anyway, number eight, hire a rockstar team with common values and show them appreciation. What I mean by that is if you start developing that rockstar team, you're going to develop more rock stars within your culture. They're going to want to learn. They're going to want to advance. They're going to want to rise up in the organization. I've had opportunities to hire like that individual rock star. And when I really got down to it, I'm like, this person is going to bring a lot, but they're going to cause a lot of carnage. You know what I mean? Like they're going to just be a disruptor and cause problems and people are going to be and mad and they're going to be in the recruiting episode. Yeah. Too. Like they might check all the boxes technically or professionally, but and culturally, if they don't forget it. Yeah. So, I mean, like invest in your people that share the common values and get them to do more. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Number nine, give your team autonomy to free you up to go after a big idea. One of the things that I think my team really enjoys about working here at Zengers is that I'm not there micromanaging them. I'm giving them autonomy because I want to and because I don't have the time to contain and control. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I need to verify and I do that all the time. Trust but verify. It's funny you wrote that because that's exactly what my dad says all the time. Is that right? We trust but we verify. Yeah. And like to me, the opposite is contain and control. And I don't have time for that. And I can't go after the big things. I can't do the making chips recording if that's what I was about all the time. Or I I just have to work a heck of a lot more hours that I don't want to do because violate another one of your exactly. Exactly. So your dad says a lot. Yeah. And he's more focused on the verify part. Okay. So, well, I I mean, he's just like, look, if because I'm like you and he's like, I agree with that. But verify. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're like, yeah, I I empowered this person to lead this role and they're doing their thing. It's like, well, did you check to make sure it was getting done right? Yeah. Because don't just like give trust out like it's candy. Exactly. Pay attention to it. And finally, number 10, people are everything in business. So one of my other philosophies, well, these are all my philosophies, is that if I take care of my team, my team takes care of our clients and our clients reward us with their business because we're helping them to be successful. And as I was like just thinking through this recently and writing it down into the LinkedIn post, I feel like that's this notion of how to spread love through capitalism. Like people always think about capitalism as this bad thing. But if you're using money as a kind of this cycle of helping your customers make more money, helping your team to make more money, and they're taking care of you and helping to grow the business, I mean, you're just, you're spreading the love and you're using money to love people. Yeah. Compassionate capitalism. Yeah, that is a thing. Yeah. That is a thing. Yeah. Although that's a, might be a little bit different and we can maybe explore that at a later time, but like there's a whole organization around compassionate or no conscious capitalism. 
my dad will always just says like, "Oh, I'm a compassionate conservative." Oh, got it. So that's his political stance or whatever. And I think he uses that word "compassionate" to kind of counter the. Yeah. Well, it's all about just all these businesses trying to serve themselves, and no one right. ever takes care of the social needs and, and yeah. all that. Yeah. So I would just call it love through capitalism. There you go. Sure. I've got an acronym for you. Oh, more acronyms. Wonderful. What is it? It's the IBE, the Industrial Buying Engine. It's the newest innovation by the team at Thomas to help you grow your industrial business. You know, I know a thing or two about the Industrial Buying Engine. You can drive more revenue by reaching the 1.5 million verified buyers on Thomas. It's a streamlined three-step process. First, you message buyers. Second, you quote projects. And third, you get paid. The industrial buying engine is accessible from the company's ThomasNet dashboard. Get your free profile today at thomasnet.com slash claim to get started with Thomas and the industrial buying engine. And we're going to sweeten the deal. Our listeners get a 25% off annual subscription with the code CHIPS25, C-H-I-P-S 25. I'm saying these things and writing these things down because I want to keep myself accountable to these as well. Because there's a lot of times where you could veer off course from your own personal philosophies. It's like in your nature, it's like, oh, well, if I can do this, but that's going to hurt that person, I could accomplish. And it's yeah. like, no, like yeah. I don't have to do that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Take some time to reflect before you retire. Don't just wait till then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Course correct. It's like a rear view mirror. You don't stare in it while you drive, but you make a glance every once in a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. I should like probably take this and post it on my wall, like maybe explain it to my team and be like, okay, these are my personal could, philosophy. Like, Hold me accountable. No, I don't think so. I have no tattoos. Yeah. Me either. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Yeah. I, no, I need a midlife crisis. I don't have crisis. a problem with them. I think they're cool, but I'm like not yeah. quite to the midlife, but. I'm going to have a crisis and get a tattoo, I think. Yeah, I think you should get the Deutschland football logo on your face. <laughs> right in the middle of my forehead. No, yeah, or right around your eye like Mike Tyson. There we go. Hey, speaking of reflections, if you're reflecting on Jason's reflections as you listen oh, to no. this episode, yeah. please take the time to comment on it, Like, because we post these episodes on LinkedIn. Take the time to rate and review in Spotify or podcasts or however you listen. That's really valuable to us. It helps us hear how you guys are reflecting on our content Show us and helps us make it better. Through your comments. Yeah, please. Love through comments. There you go. That'd be great. Well, you know what we always say at the end of an episode? If you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com.